Hello, my lovelies. Welcome back to another episode of Did You Read the Book, a comparative podcast where movie buffs and bookworms come together to talk about stories and their adaptations that we love, hate, or love to hate. I am your host, Aaron Palmer, and I am joined once again by the lovely Spencer. Welcome back, Spencer! Hello! Thanks for having me back. Yes! Round two! Oh, yes. I am excited! Yes. Me too! (laughs) And I bet everyone can guess why. I know. Shocking reveal. Uh, We are back for all things Taika round two. Uh, Round two. So excited. Slash yay. You get to listen to us just gush about yet another Taika piece. Mm. The man that we are both in love with. Oh my god, Taika. I want to be your friend. Be my friend. Please. All right. Well, without further ado, what is our source material today, Mr. Spencer? All right. The book is called Wild Pork and Watercress by Barry Crump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what year was it written? Oh, uh, I believe it was like 90, 90, I have it right here. 90, no, 1986. Yeah. Yes. 86. 86, baby. Yes, back. yes, yes. Way back. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Interesting title, and yet yeah. again, in very Taika Waititi fashion, the adaptation has a completely different title. Completely different title. <laughs> uh, it, the film adaptation is called Hunt for the Wilder People, directed by Taika Waititi, heartthrob. And mm-hmm, it was uh, mm-hmm. released in 2016, so quite a bit of a gap between these two. It was took took some time to get through the zeitgeist and like have Taika get his like lovely hands on it. Yes. Um and it is featuring some stellar stellar group people uh, such as Sam Neill, Julian Dennison, Rima Tewiata. I apologize if that is not How, how dare today. you? <laughs> I'm mispronounce. sorry. I'm not sorry. I don't know <laughs> if that's right. And then of course Heartthrob Taika Waititi is also mm-hmm, in it cuz mm-hmm. He's in everything he's in. Of course. And Rachel House and Reese Darby and many, many others that you have seen in many a Taika film. He definitely mm-hmm. uh, recycles his actors, and I am all here for it. Which is great, because I think he's picked out like a good crew of Dream like, team. people that he keeps coming back to. Um, yeah, yeah Rachel, hilarious. Rachel House and Reese Darby have been in several of his films. Mm-hmm. And for all you Taika lovers out there, if you've seen like Our Flag Means Death, they're both in it as main characters, as mm-hmm. pirates, and it's... Beyond glorious, um, I casting the casting is so good. All right, throughout the script again, Spencer, we're just gonna (laughs) freak out about Taika once again and how he and Reese Darby are adorbs together. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, we're not talking about any of the hunt for wilder people anymore. We're talking, Uh, we're just gonna talk about our flag means death for a little bit. Such a good show, god bless. If you haven't seen that, my lovelies drop everything drop mm-hmm. everything and go watch yeah don't even don't even watch the movie <laughs> for uh, this book yeah don't even people. listen to this episode no 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 just go watch our flag means death please just do yourself a goddamn favor holy oh, crap oh my god yeah oh we're off we're already off the rails and we're how many like a minute wait what are we in? talking about <laughs> what's the topic Oh no. oh no! This is what happens when we get together, Spencer, and I talk know. about Taika. It's I, uh, I wouldn't have it any wrong. other way. Oh bless! I wouldn't have isn't, it any other way. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> we should probably get back to it. Okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> Twist my arm. So okay. it's a great cast. 
Yeah. Amazing. Amazing cast. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that later because <laughs> so much to talk about there. All right. Uh, spoiler alert, my lovelies. You know the drill. We're talking about this in depth. We're just going to be freaking out over everything Taika We are all the time. going to ruin it. We're going to ruin it all. So hit that pause button. Go do your thing and come back if you don't want things spoiled. Otherwise... Carry on, carry on, and we will get Sucks into it. <laughs> Haters gonna Sorry. hate. Haters gonna hate. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get started, Mr. Spencer, mm-hmm. pro source or pro adaptation? Oh, man. It's a close one. <laughs> yeah. I actually really like the book. Um, yeah? Yeah, it was, it was a fun read. Like, honestly, the more I kept reading it the less i wanted to stop reading it in certain points i feel like it did, it wasn't like slow like at all it like or if it was slow it was like it was important to like the character development and stuff mm-hmm. which is great which is what you want in a book you want yeah. it to kind of flesh out the characters as much as possible but you know it it's a great movie too i want to say i err towards the movie just because that's my first experience with uh, this bit of of media and <laughs> sorry lost the word there um we're just so distracted by all things type i know we can't even, i just keep i just keep looking at the right i'm looking at the the front <laughs> cover of the book right now i'm just like <laughs> i just want to re i just watched the movie last night i already want to rewatch I, it again yeah, yeah. um but that's probably i would probably say that the the movie is definitely it it's like comedically on point and like uh it has great like acting in it and it it does the book justice, I want to say, very mm. much so. And um, yeah, I think I'm I'm probably more adaptation than source, but it, I like them both so much. So you know. Yep, nailed it. Uh, yeah. I feel exactly the same way. I, yet again, you were the lovely human being that introduced me to this film. Mm-hmm. So bless you, my child. Uh, <laughs> You've been so, blessed. Yeah, doing the, I'm doing a little like genuflection over here mm-hmm, uh so a t in a big w, yes right? yep yep all hand waving is happening uh <laughs> yes so yeah the film is oh god just a gem um it yeah. is one of, i don't know if it's one of his earlier works but it's definitely one that i feel like people who know taika and are like getting into taika might not have heard of this one before it is a little bit less mainstream than like ragnarok and stuff that he's done more oh, recently yeah. But um, yeah, I think that, you know, the last episode we did with like Jojo Rabbit, it was it just went totally off the rails and was like very, very different tone. Um, but I agree. Yeah. I think there's a, a much stronger correlation between the two um, besides the title, obviously. Yeah, it's not, it like, <laughs> it's not like a one to one, but it like mm-hmm. really closely follows the source material, which is like really good just because like that's I mean. I feel like that's why he had to stop Jojo Rabbit where he did because, mm-hmm. like, like you said, it just goes kind of off the rails and like yeah. it gets just almost unreadable at certain points. But like this, like, yeah. I think he chose correctly with this book and kind of saw that he could like kind of take this whole story and mm-hmm. then adapt adapt it pretty, you know, pretty spectacularly into a movie too. So yeah, no, and it had a lot of really good. Um good kind of nuggets to turn into a film adaptation, I will say. Like yeah. it's, it's it's a very kind of lovable and good story to turn into a visual media. So good choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all about like the relationship between these uh two characters and like mm-hmm. um how they're kind of thrown into this, you know, 
set of circumstances where they're in the in the bush in New Zealand. And yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, beautiful. It's segue. very personal. Like, yeah. Tell tell us the synopsis. We're just gonna jump right in. What oh is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get cracking. Okay. So what's that so, synopsis? The synopsis for the book uh, Wild Pork and. Or, sorry, yeah, wild pork and watercress. I always, I always want to say watercress and wild pork. I do the same thing. The W is the alliteration. Out, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I'm just gonna I type this up from the back of the book, but nice. um, I thought it was a, just a pretty solid. They did a good job s- synopsisizing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is yeah. that the word? That's, That's a word, so, right? I was actually just having this conversation with Yvonne the other day. Where like synopsis, synops- synopsis, synopsis, synopsis. Okay. I don't. You, you pick, pick your poison. <laughs> just, yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, and if you don't, I'm so sorry. Uh, so we're not professional goes. folks. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> I, I'm I'm in my sweatpants right now. We're in pajama jams right now, yeah. guys. It is a it is a it's a lovely Sunday. In my um, podcasting pants. Yeah, God bless. You have designated <laughs> pants, man. My, I need to all up my, my pants game. are podcasting. Oh, okay, pants. fair point. Okay, yeah. well, um, <laughs> it could also mean no pants. Who knows? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ooh, what an image. <laughs> right. Right. Again, uh, we're getting off track again. Oh, uh, here here goes the synopses. Uh, <laughs> when Ricky's beloved Aunt Bella dies and social welfare threatens to put him into care, the overweight Maori boy and cantankerous Uncle Heck flee into the remote, rugged U- Urewaras. The impassable bush serves up perilous adventures, forcing the pair of misfits to use all their skills to survive hunger, wild pigs, and the weather. Uh, we're still our authorities determined to bring Ricky and Uncle Heck to justice. But despite the difficulties of life on the run, a bond of trust and love blossoms between the world-weary man and his withdrawn sidekick. Oh, all the heartfelt. All heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those who don't know anything about this and are still here... You guys are awesome because why not listen to everything Taika all the time? But mm-hmm. uh, this lovely story actually takes place in New Zealand, which is Taika's homeland. Yeah. So any sort of like names that come up, you're like, where is this? It's yeah. New Zealand, baby. <laughs> like the Uriwatas. Yeah. The Uriwatas, yeah. Yep. There's a bunch of uh, names in there. I actually, yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> It was just... It, w- it was fun to try and pronounce them in my head, and like I, I know if I say this out loud, I'm just going to butcher the heck out <laughs> of it. I'm sorry so. that we are not native Kiwi. Uh, yeah. We do not know how to pronounce most of these words, so apologies mm-hmm. if any come up and we absolutely butcher them. We mean well. <laughs> it's true. It's true we do. We love you, people. Oh, my God. We love you, yeah. bro. We love you, bro. Uh, yep, yep, yep. So let's break it down. Like, um, you kind of already said in the beginning that you mm-hmm. really enjoyed the book. Like, the film, obviously, we, we both saw first. So that has a nice right. little, like, spot in our hearts for that reason. But mm-hmm. what, what kind of drew you into the book that you, you said you, like, didn't want to put it down? Like, what about it? Um, you know, I feel like the characters are just, like so like well developed throughout the book and how they reacted like it was just it felt like because ricky was like so out of his element it mm-hmm. felt like he was the the straight man like the 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 person that you were supposed to be able to relate to mm-hmm. and going into this and like seeing like they're only in like the wilderness for like a year and a half or so maybe a little bit more than that and yeah. you just see like how much he changes and the metamorphosis he goes through while, you know, while just being with his uncle, essentially, or yeah. his guardian, you know, they're not. Eh, well, I guess he is. His yeah. Uncle, so in, in the book, it actually is his aunt and uncle. Yeah, and, you know, that's a little, right. Little spoiler alert. Um, in the film, 
it's more of an endearing title that he calls them auntie and uncle, but they're not actually family. In the book, they truly are family, but they're kind of distant relatives that they haven't really interacted with him much. I think they say it's his mother's um, eldest sister is Auntie Bella. Bella, yeah. Yeah. (sighs) The juxtaposition of like the two characters of like Heck and Ricky too, they're just so different in the Mm big, like uh, emotionally and like, I mean, physically too. Like it's like there's distance that's like between them for like a lot of the uh a lot of the book and mm-hmm. you see that like gap kind of over time shorten and mm-hmm. until they're like they recognize each other as like equals which is really cool and like just seeing that progress through the book and like and in the situation that they're in because this like whole thing takes place with them trekking through the wilderness essentially yeah i just thought like like it really puts a lot of focus on their relationship and i think the book does like a really good job of defining that and like evolving it as they you know as it progresses yeah i really i really enjoyed this story um for multiple reasons it, it actually the way the book kind of read out almost felt like ricky's diary in a way yeah it's all from the point of, of view of ricky so, so he's supposed to be like what thirteen or fourteen years old. Yeah, he's. I think he's twelve when the he's twelve when, when the, the starts. story starts, and he's like almost fifteen. Yeah, because it's his thirteenth birthday. Then right. they go out into the wilderness, and then yeah. they're there f- until he's almost fifteen. So it's like, yeah, it's it spans over like almost three years essentially. Yeah, and in that time, you know, you see an incredible amount of growth from Ricky's character in many ways. Like, you know, he comes from what sounds kind of a dysfunctional home his Mm -hmm. mom has been in between many relationships and is able to take care of him and then social services has to step in because she can't take care of him and Mm -hmm. then he eventually ends up with his biological aunt and uncle and finds somewhat of a balance and then unfortunately auntie bella kind of dies suddenly and it's absolutely tragic because it sounds like you know this is this first interaction with a somewhat stable environment because he, he goes into talking about like how he was kind of uh, bounced back and forth um from like because when his mom couldn't like take care of him he was like in like, camps and stuff like that and mm-hmm. like bounced through like the social welfare system until he finally makes it there and then like he finally has this moment where he's you know he has a solid place to land and mm-hmm. And it's, I like that he takes to it so quickly. Yeah. Because it's like he was searching for like this, this safe place to be and like, like the solid place to, you know, actually put down roots and, and then he's kind of thrust into adventure all of a sudden. And yeah, with Bella dying, it definitely kind of puts a spin where, you know, um, Uncle Heck, which is short for Hector, uh, he... He basically, they, they kind of make a decision like, well, I was going to go adventure back into the bush because I feel more comfortable there because he's yeah. kind of just a, a rugged backpacker kind of guy. Well, and also they're like selling the farm and stuff and they're like selling that the too. Farm. Yeah. So they decide to just like sell everything and pick up their bags and then just go, right. which social welfare is like, well, you can't do that. And then they do it anyway. And then all of a sudden it turns into a manhunt. <laughs> yeah. They get the, they, they like get a letter from social welfare, like almost right after the funeral. And then mm-hmm. heck decides that he's going to, because he's not, uh, the, I think the farm belongs to aunt Bella and her family and they decided so. that they're going to sell it. And yeah. so he's like, well, I'm just going to go off into the bush and hunt. And mm-hmm. you know, that's how I'll make my living and whatnot. And Ricky's very adamant about going with him because he doesn't want to be bounced back and forth through the welfare system again. Yeah, and it sounds like a pretty rough start to his kind of childhood, too, because he he says 
almost immediately in the book, you know, he's he identifies as he's from a Maori culture and mm-hmm. he's overweight and mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of kind of disadvantages for him because of he's in and out of social welfare system and he's got, you know, he's Maori background and he's also obese. So there's yeah. it's just a rough he's, start he's, for him. He's not the ideal candidate for anybody, you know, right. who would want to like, you know, I'd say that in the biggest quotes ever because Ricky's right. actually like a, a very bright like and well-read young kid like who's like yeah. years ahead of his like peers and stuff and reading and like despite that it's this this, this surface level thing that like, you know, he he's a he's a brown fat kid and they, yeah. you know, yeah. he's nobody's going to and and the the amount of like awareness that he has about it too and like mm-hmm. understanding that like I'm not gonna get a better deal than, you know, living with Hack and Bella and then mm-hmm. having that just kind of ripped out from underneath him all of a sudden is, you know. Yeah, it's it's you know, for it, it being kind of a somewhat lighthearted story, there's a lot of really heavy themes that are scattered yeah. throughout. Like the beginning is quite heavy and everything happens relatively quickly. Um, within the first couple chapters, yes. you know, he explains his kind of background with his family, and then Bella dies pretty quick into the beginning, and then really, you know, eighty five percent of the book is them just bouncing around in the bush once yeah. Bella dies. Yeah, death actually, I feel like death comes up a lot in this. Like, yeah, despite like with the Bella thing, and then they also like there was a conversation that they have about like. Like, Ricky is, like, questioning whether, like, going out and killing animals is, like, a moral thing at one Mm -hmm. point. And Heck's like, well, as long as you're not, like, as long as you're doing it for the right reasons and you're not, like, planning on, like, killing anyone else. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to, like, use the animal and, like, sell the the furs and, you know, and you're not taking that any violence back with you. You're, like, not hanging. You don't have that animosity in you. Then he wouldn't worry about it. But, But, like, Ricky's, like, actually worried about it at one point and mm-hmm. i think they they do a good job of like showing that like like all sides of death and stuff like that too about like how you know they need to feed on animals to survive in the bush and like mm-hmm. not i wouldn't say like generic but it's like that you know circle of life metaphor that like is pretty prevalent it it is very much so and especially like heck is obviously much more comfortable in the bush. And so he understands how to actually live off of the land right. and actually work with it instead of just, you know, bulldozing your way through and doing trophy hunting. So it's a very right. different vibe and a very different mindset. You know, I, I myself am not a big fan of hunting, but I do like support and acknowledge that people who actually live off of that kind of a lifestyle is much more respectful of just nature in general because you're actually utilizing like you're acknowledging that these animals are not here for your fun they are here because they are here and you're just happening to need to eat and if you're actually using that like it i appreciate that but not a fan myself uh yeah yeah, it's it's yeah it's it's interesting to see that dynamic of you know ricky is still kind of a child and he is not comfortable or familiar with the bush in the beginning and right. so heck kind of shows him in his very rugged way <laughs> yeah like very much all hands off like you have to figure it out for yourself and not sugarcoating anything <laughs> right i love that they make a point of like ricky kind of having that like come to god moment where he's like oh, i'm actually kind of getting this mm-hmm. like when he has to go and like hunt on his own or something like that like yeah he, and how he's like how he's able to keep up with Heck, like, even, like, despite, like, Heck giving him, like, the hardest, like, trails and stuff to go through. And, like, mm-hmm. you see that Ricky's actually trying and, like, making progress, too, which is 
really cool. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just a, f- it's fun to see like how quickly he starts picking up on like, like the different animals that he's describing and stuff like that. And like how to properly skin like a boar and like, you know, mm-hmm. and squirrels and things like squ- that, or yeah. not squirrels, but like possums and stuff like Poss- other animals yeah. in the bush. Yeah. He really starts to kind of um, get enveloped in that world. Cause I mean, they're out there for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Um, and two don't winters, really see, they, I think. Yeah, two yeah. winters, and they don't really see that many people until kind of towards the end when they're kind of doing the outskirts of the bush, which is where it's more kind of day like hikers and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's really just the two of them for like 90% of the book. Yeah. And they do really have this great bond that they start to build because, heck, yeah. once he gets past the grieving of Bella, I think he starts to realize like Ricky is family. And he's teaching him like something that he's comfortable with. So he's teaching him his ways. And Ricky right. actually picks it up and actually gets better and better at it. And so they kind of get to this understanding. And it is yeah. a really sweet relationship. Yeah, they're kind of teaching each other because like Hex mm-hmm. teaching him like all of the survival skills. And Ricky's teaching like Heck to be able to depend on other people. Because mm-hmm. I feel like when Bella dies, Heck probably has this instinct that like he's now he's alone again yeah and he has to like his 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 instinct is to stay like go into the bush and just just be be there by himself yeah and i think ricky turns him around on this whole thing where where heck at the beginning is this like can't like like it says in the description he's a he's a cantankerous old man who like you know is stuck in his ways and very curmudgeonly yeah and like ricky kind of (laughs) you know, slowly brings out this, like, more familial side to Heck, and, like, Heck starts to depend on Ricky, and they mm-hmm. depend on each other, and, yeah, it's 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 fun to see that evolution of Heck mm-hmm. as well, and, like, yeah. seeing him, you know, relying on, a, on his family to get him out of situations and whatnot. Yeah, it is really sweet, and there's, I mean, there's just, like, a lot of stuff about the, kind of, the backdrop of New Zealand. Like, I don't know much about the bush in mm-hmm. in New Zealand. So, just, it was really fun to kind of dive into, like, anytime I had, like, the names of, like, locations of where they were, I would go and Google it. I'm like, where yeah. is this? And it was fun to see, like, oh, okay, so they're kind of in this area. And it was really fun to, to kind of map that out of, like, okay, how how big of an area are we talking? What does that yeah. actually look like? And it, it is really beautifully written. And also, you know, Barry Crump is also himself a Kiwi. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is also his homeland. And so he knows where he's talking about. And it, it is really visually like kind of a beautiful story of not just the, the kind of relationship dynamic of the two, but also just the backdrop that it's set under. It's, yeah. it's really pretty. It's a nice... A nice, well-rounded story overall, I think. Yeah, I was reading a little bit about uh, Barry at the beginning of the book because they have like mm-hmm. a little biography about him and yeah. like how he um, he grew up in like kind of similar circumstances with like a, an abusive father and like wanting to just be like out in the the wilderness and like mm. in nature as much as possible and like you kind of see where like the heck is in him and yeah. like how he just like how he relates with like nature more than he does with like you know his own family and stuff but then like you also see like the bits of ricky in him too because he's like willing to learn new trades and like he's like very like he's putting himself out there and he wants Mm -hmm. to be seen and stuff like that yeah and he doesn't let that his his background stop him from doing that which i feel like like both heck and ricky have like their own like trials um that are inherent to them like you know ricky just like going through these traumatic you know childhood events 
and stuff mm-hmm. and like being bounced around and heck you know coming from a troubled past as well and like being illiterate and like yeah that's a big one honestly like he's i mean do they don't do they say his age in the book i know they do in they the movie s- i think he's in his 60s? 50s or 60s yeah yeah he's like a maybe older. late late 50s but yeah so he's illiterate in his 50s which is a really big deal i mean i yeah. can also see why wanting to be in the bush would be a very enticing for someone who is illiterate because uh how often do you read books in the bush how yeah. often are you needing to read like, well if you're ricky you're reading all the time and he's grabbing yeah. books wherever he can <laughs> yeah but it takes like a different set of skills to be out in the bush and like yeah you know yeah yeah reading sure. is not really it's not you know, i think a necessity, they, they, yeah. they yeah they call it the knack in the book too right, right. So, uh i think they say just, it once yeah he's like yeah. i got a knack for you know tracking and stuff like that yeah yeah and i i did want to touch on like something that i i learned a lot actually about Mm. just like new zealand in general from this like one book because there were so many like local references of things that i myself as an outsider was like i have no idea what that means in Mm -hmm. context so i went and did some googling um so while they're in the bush they they stop at what the author calls huts like all over the bush and i was like what are these huts what is this and fun fact uh apparently this was built in like the 60s and 70s by the uh wildlife preserve like agencies about mm-hmm. basically creating these cabins technically they're like they're like a kind of elaborate cabins and there's mm. like really nice ones that have actual like plumbing and electricity and you can rent them out and it's first come first serve and it's all mostly backcountry cabins oh. so there's really really nice ones or there's kind of like the lower end ones which are you know you have a roof you have maybe a a bunk bed or something that you right. can sleep on, but there's, you know, a drop toilet or something, no, no electricity. Um, but they're all, you, you can rent them and it's like the the lower end ones are like $5 to $15 a person and the other ones are like $20 to maybe $40 a oh, night wow. for a person. I mean, they're really cheap. Um, and it's like commonplace that if there's no beds available that you can like Somebody can sleep under a table or sleep on the floor or sleep on the porch and like everybody shares even right. if you don't like they don't want to turn people away and like this is a very common practice. And so they in the book, they really focus too on, you know, you le- you you take something that's in the hut, but then you leave something right. behind and it's place for the next person that comes along. And right. it's a really interesting kind of community building thing out yeah. in the middle of nowhere and i just loved that i thought that was so fascinating well it's like it's it's one of those things that you like you don't realize that you have to rely on it until you probably you probably are in the thick of it right mm-hmm. it's it's uh you know who knows when you're gonna like run out of like a certain item or something like that and just hope you know hope to god that you won't need it and like yeah. you stumble across a hut and you're like oh nice now, but now i can leave something for the next person uh-huh. it's like kind of paying it forward in a sense or something like yeah that, right yeah, I really loved that, and I thought that was just such a cool concept. I was like, "Dude, why do we not do this? That is awesome!" <laughs> uh, because we live in America, and everyone is selfish. America <laughs> in, in it for themselves. <laughs> Doesn't, Yay. That shit don't fly out here. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was just such a cool thing, and it's very much part of the story because um, yeah. they're bouncing around between huts the entire time. Because like sometimes they are actually like outside. Not right. sleeping under a roof, which you know, when they're they're trying to avoid people, they stay away from the huts for the first extended periods of time, and then they'll kind of like right. restock and go back to the huts to grab some essentials. It's like almost that. when it's like, like only when it's absolutely necessary will mm-hmm. they come out and like try and you know find or procure something that they you know 
that they were missing or something like that or that they mm-hmm. direly needed um i like that ricky would like uh trade out books and stuff too that i know <laughs> uh i'm gonna bring it back but that just makes me think of our flag means death where reese darby is like they're raiding other ships and oh, then yeah. he's just he's like i'm gonna switch my old books out with their they're... their new books and they're never gonna notice <laughs> so good <laughs> anyway i digress uh tangent time but yes yeah, of course yeah so ricky is very much into reading and is much more kind of literature focused and and kind of balances out heck being kind of more rugged and backcountry-esque mm-hmm. but yeah i i just oh it's just like a really sweet book and it does feel like very childlike because it's coming from ricky's person like perspective yeah, yeah. And it, i i don't know like did you feel like it was like a diary i that's how, that's how i kind of the, read the it. more you know honestly the more that you say that I yeah I would agree that it seems like yeah taking note of like sort of their because it is very like there are some very pronounced moments when obviously this is where yeah this it feels like somebody like wrote this down or something like Mm -hmm. it definitely it definitely feels like it's being narrated at sort of that like uh, that pace I just remembered this thing yeah yeah I I really liked it and it's but it wasn't actually like in the format of a diary. So you can right. kind of get away with like, oh, it is like a, a novel, but the way that it's kind of, it's written out. Yeah, it did paced, feel very, yeah. Yeah, yeah the pacing sure. was very much a diary. And I, I enjoyed that. And yeah. the titles and stuff were really fun of like, um, I think my favorite title, which is not the, the best name, but it is the best name is Broken Foot Camp. <laughs> that <laughs> is like, that chapters. is easily one of the best chapters of the book. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Why is it called Broken Foot Camp, Spencer? Oh, man. It's because, so I believe they're out like deeper in the bush. Um, mm-hmm. And they, this like area that like doesn't, doesn't usually get like tread through or anything like that. It's sort of like out of the way. And uh, Heck uh, slips on a log while they're like walking through the bush and uh, breaks a bone in his foot. And it's like only after like a couple hours, they realize that they, he can't keep going forward. And mm-hmm. so they have to they have to make camp for a long time. Yeah, I think it's like at least a month or two. Yeah, right? I think it's I think that it's like eight eight ish weeks. So yeah. like two months or something like that while he has yeah. to heal. It's a long time because I mean, you're like out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. There's, if you have any meds, it's maybe some ibuprofen or some aspirin. Yeah, if, <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it's the moment where like Ricky really has to step up and kind of. Yeah prove himself any mm-hmm. and prove himself to heck if anything else because he's now heck is now solely reliant on or all i mean there there's a, a point where like i think ricky comes back with like what does he come back with like a kiwi or something like that and heck's like we're not gonna eat this again oh um, yeah <laughs> and then i think the next time he doesn't come back with uh, like enough like heck already has like trout and stuff that he's like baking on the campfire and he's like how did you do that and he's like eh. Just fished out, fished him out of the creek over there. <laughs> yep, just did it. Yeah, because I'm, I'm awesome. And this is a this is a kiwi the bird, a kiwi not the a bird, fruit. not a. <laughs> yeah. Just so you're aware, there is a difference. Yeah. No, he didn't uh, kill a man and bring him back to eat. <laughs> God, I hope not. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, it yeah, it, I think this is kind of a pivotal like point for Ricky where he is having to be a little bit more like independent of heck and kind of use yeah, the tools self-reliant. that he has given yeah. him. Yeah. Is, is this, the, this is the chapter where they see the stag too, right? There's like a yeah. deer or something like that, that, um, that like he, it's like an eight point stag that he like has to kind of face. They like hear all these like crazy, like roars and stuff in the, in the woods. And when yeah. they go investigate it, it's like this, this big deer. 
that mm-hmm. like stares down Ricky at one point and like runs off into the bush. And it's it's one of those moments where you're like, he Ricky doesn't know if like what's gonna set the deer off or if anything yeah. will. That's like scary. This, oh yeah. Um, if you've ever been close to any sort of large <laughs> stags or animals in the mm-hmm. wild with horns, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, they're big. They're big and can <laughs> eight be point aggressive. is really big and can be very aggressive depending on the season. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, especially if you're by yourself and are not as comfortable in the bush, uh, that would be actually terrifying. Oh, and also, there's a ton of boar in yeah. this bush and boar are super dangerous yeah and can easily maul you to death yep um and they actually come across quite a few wild pigs and boars which is you know wild pork is part of the title yeah yeah isn't it that's like sort of their go-to food i feel like is i think that's like sort of what yeah. hack hunts mainly in, yeah in the in the book is that's boar. what it sounds like yeah yeah, I mean, it makes sense because you're going to get them kind of bang for your buck as far oh, yeah. as food and it'll last you a while. They tend to be on the bigger side. Mm-hmm. Um, but isn't isn't there a scene where, um, oh gosh, didn't, when, when they were at Broken Foot Camp, wasn't mm-hmm. um, Ricky having, he, he killed, I think, either a deer or a smaller stag and mm-hmm. had to like drag, had to drag it, it back, back. Yeah. by himself. And he ended up having to like cut the head off and leave it because it was too heavy yeah. to carry by himself. Yeah. It's so insane. It's wild yeah. to think about yeah. that. You're like, oh, dang, uh, that's commitment. Yeah. So, yeah, it, they go into quite a bit of detail about like what it's it's not really sugarcoated of like right. it's difficult and there's possible injuries and it takes a long time to heal. And they're not taking baths. They're not, you know, they're not mm-hmm. really sleeping under roofs for the most part. I mean, it's pretty rugged living yeah. for yeah. a they're, while. They're in, they're in the thick of it, like literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think they also start in, in this chapter, they I can't remember if it's this chapter or previous one, but they start talking, like, Ricky starts, like, naming the different areas that they go to. Oh, right, because they don't have a map. Because they don't have a map, so, like, Ricky's, like, naming conventions conventions for all these things or just, like, Mm -hmm. what happened at that spot. Yeah. And, like, I think my favorite one is, what is it, uh, Brave Goat Cliff or something like that, where uh, he was taking the dogs (laughs) out to hunt and he came across, like, five mountain goats and one of them was, like, valiantly fending off the dogs from just like this one perch of a rock that he was hanging yep. out on. And, and Ricky yep. just gave up after one. He's like, okay, we're not taking this. We're not one. doing this. We're not doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I just it's love really the idea cute. of like of a cliffside called Brave Goat Cliff. And that's just because like there's this one time my dogs were fighting off this one goat and we couldn't get it. So we just <laughs> it's, Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It is really cute that they don't, you know, they don't have a map and uh, Heck is like, oh, I know, I know this place like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. So what's what good are maps? Like right. and you can't read anyway. So he's like, Meh, doesn't matter. So he knows where he is, and so yeah, Ricky to kind of I think to help himself learn as yeah. well and be more comfortable, he starts naming them from events that occur when they're in certain spots. Exactly, pretty, pretty yeah. cute. I love it. Ugh. it's such a good story. It really is, yeah. And I just, ugh. yeah, I just I love the setting. I love the characters. And really, I, I think from start to finish, there's maybe like, what, six people in the yeah. entire book? There's, that... there's the two of them. There's um, Bella. Auntie Bella. We got, was it Quiet Brian was a character. He was like Quiet this, Brian. this yeah. trapper that they come across who only uses possum fat to... <laughs> to cook oh, everything. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> they they oh. figure that out like after they find like all this like gross like possum fat like in this like jar that they or it's like in a like oh no it's like in a 
like a cheesecloth sort of thing or something oh, that he's like keeping right. it in yeah. and he just like Ugh. keeps adding more to the top of it and just like going yeah and so they like they're like yeah. not again we're good sort of. we're good thank you yeah <laughs> and then there was uh those two there were like the 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 diabetic ranger that they come across oh yeah the one ranger that they save and then there's the guy on the edge of the woods who has a farm that they oh, kind yeah. of Robbie? help uh, is it Robbie? Yeah, they so. they help yeah. him. Um, they like go trap a whole bunch of uh, possums and give him the pelts to sell. Yeah, they actually go. Don't they go back to Broken Leg Camp and like hang out there for a while uh-huh. and like because all the yeah. possums there were like they were just flush with possums. So yeah. they're like, oh yeah, we'll just bring back. They come back like a month later and they have like two hundred uh, pelts with them or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's like a handful of people that they randomly meet in the bush. And then I think some like random day travelers that you don't even get names. They're just like there. And the uh, the rangers that they uh, they the hold up in quotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of amazing how a, a, a very small kind of character pool, but a lot happens between Ricky and um, Uncle Heck that, you know, you don't really notice. Yeah. That there aren't that many players at all in the book, and it's it's really good writing. And I don't I don't know if you listen to the audiobook, but the audiobook but... is actually read by Barry Crump's brother. Oh, really? So I I listened to that, and it was really cute. And also, it was also in an, a Kiwi accent, which was just dreamlike. I was like, oh my god, this is so adorable, <laughs> and it's in a Kiwi accent. I love it. Oh, it was I, really oh, cute. That sounds like the perfect way to listen to it. Honestly, it was really great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and all the names were actually pronounced correctly. Mm. Uh, couldn't tell you how to spell them, but I definitely was listening to them like, well, they know what they're talking about. Well, then you you should know how to pronounce everything because you heard well, it Well, I can't firsthand. remember them all. Oh, I see. <laughs> Sorry. I don't have eidetic memory. How oh. dare you. <laughs> and and all, all of this is like while they're also running from like the police too and like... There's like a national manhunt for them because yeah. they think that Heck has like absconded with Ricky into the mm-hmm. the wilderness essentially. So there's always this like kind of threat that they're being that they're going to be like caught or done in at some point, and mm-hmm. it it gives the book a little bit more of it gives them like that bit of desperation that they need to like keep going, which is yeah, which just it increases like the character development because they're. Like it's those those rough moments that like they really shine, and mm-hmm. it's it's a great setting. Like they do a good job of like like fleshing out all the characters throughout this like throughout the entire book, and like you really identify with them. Yeah, it's it's a very cute, relatable story. Even yeah. though it's like, well, I've never gone tromping in the wilderness for a year and a half, but it is still very cute and like, yeah. oh, it's such like a kind of a a weirdly warm and fuzzy story for parts of it being very much not warm and fuzzy. Yeah, but yeah, it it is really good, and and that's it, folks. We're done. Go that's read the book. No, I'm kidding. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, <laughs> now pause this. Go watch Say Our no Flag more. Means Death, and then read the book. <laughs> Or listen to the audiobook. There you go. Oh, listen to the audiobook yeah. if you can, actually. It now was I want to. Really, really pleasant if you like the Kiwi accent. Ooh. If you don't, maybe not for you. You're a monster I, if you don't. I know you're a monster. <laughs> How dare you? know you? what you're talking about, you heathen. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. I enjoyed it. But yeah, you know, I I feel like we can just say the same thing over and over about the book, but yeah. maybe, perhaps we uh, transition. Oh, is it that time? It can be. Are you uh, ready for it? I'm ready. Yeah, I feel like okay. we did a pretty good job. Was there anything that we missed? I don't 
think so because the only other things that I'm thinking of kind of fall under the comparison section. Yeah, there fair. are quite a few things that are different in the book versus the film, but we're not there yet. Folks. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> we will get there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so let's let's bump over to uh, <laughs> heartthrob takeaway, Zini. <laughs> Ooh, finally, God, finally. This is why we're here, <laughs> folks. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I know. Uh, you're lucky I didn't just jump straight into the I know. Film, we can just talk here. about the movie instead. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I will bounce over to Hunt for the Wilder People by Yay. Taika Waititi, Heartthrob, <laughs> my oh. dreamboat. Uh, all right. Here is a quick little synopsis for this bad boy. All right. So Hunt for the Wilder People tells the story of misfit kid Ricky Baker, played by Julian Dennison. When Ricky's foster aunt, played by Rima Tehuiata, suddenly passes away, he's left alone with his grumpy uncle Heck, played by Sam Neill. And the unlikely duo find themselves on the run in the vast New Zealand bush, evading child services and the law. They are forced to work together to survive and despite their differences, form a bond in this hilarious and heartfelt adventure. Oh, it's so great. It's perfect. Oh, all right. That's it, folks. We're done. Okay, yeah. Uh, say no, that. Just go watch it. Yeah, that's all I got to say. I need to know. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. We're right, 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 podcast, podcast. Do you yeah, need yeah, a yeah. reason? Just go watch it. <laughs> just go watch uh, it. It's a great movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. God it's an amazing bless. movie. <laughs> I love um, it. It's beautiful. It is all actually filmed in New Zealand, and it is gorgeous. For mm. those who love Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. that's where most of Lord of the Rings was filmed, was New Zealand, in, yep. around the Wellington area. So if you love all the backdrops of Lord of the Rings, that's what this is, but in real-world setting, because it's not Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's beautiful. It's I mean, I... It's not. I thought everything in New Zealand was Lord of the Rings. Everything is Lord of the Rings all the time in New Zealand. (laughs) The hobbits are everywhere. You didn't know. They did make Hobbiton, though. We're flush with hobbits. Hobbiton is real, folks. You can go visit Mm -hmm. Hobbiton in New Zealand, and it's like on my bucket list. Um, Yeah. One of those little hobbit homes. Oh, my God. Living the dream. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) Tangents are aplenty mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it takes place in New Zealand. It is gorgeous. Um, the, I mean, ev- literally everywhere they go, it's just beyond beautiful. Yeah. I was going to say all lush. like the drone shots that they did of like yeah. the, the treetops and like the. Yeah. Uh, it is gorgeous. Majestical. It's majestical. It's majestical, <laughs> Which is a coined phrase by our lovely uh, Sam Neill, who plays Uncle Heck. He says, everything is majestical. It's not a word. Um, it's, it's majestic. Not a wood. It's magi- <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's majestical. Um, yeah, it's it is it is majestical. That is yeah. absolutely true. No, I, that's I'm, the best way to describe God. it. I feel like. Yeah, I, I oh, I'm just like can't even talk because I just love this movie so much. So I think my initial thought of this movie is this is an adult version of Up. <laughs> yeah, is what this felt like. Oh Except you actually get to like you actually get to like see Auntie Bella. Yeah. You get to interact with her. Whereas no, in, for those who yeah. haven't seen Up, it's like an old man and oh, it's a man and a woman who meet each other as children, and then saddest they, saddest first uh, seven minutes. Oh to my any movie. god! Yeah, they like you right? see their entire life from basically start to finish. And the wife dies before him, and then he turns into this curmudgeon little old man, mm-hmm. and then meets this kind of cute, chubby boy who they then go on this epic adventure together and bring out the best in each yeah. other. Oh my and gosh. And create this bond. I was like, this is an adult version of Up. It's hilarious. Up stole the idea. Up from stole the Barry idea. Crump. <laughs> My God! Yeah, um, I I felt I felt like the film had a lot more of the kind of same vibe of Up than the book did. The yeah. book, I think. I mean, we won't go too far into comparison right now, but I feel like when I saw the film first, I was like, "Oh my god, this this is up." Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, I genius. totally see that now. I like I yeah. 
didn't real yeah oh my god Aaron. my mind <laughs> i know wow. uh it's great and yeah i think uh even though her role is extremely short auntie bella is by far the best <sighs> character in this entire film and she's in like what 15 minutes of is it. there any way that you could play the ricky baker song at the end of this podcast i like, will i will because find it uh that... auntie bella writes a ricky baker song for ricky's birthday and it is beyond precious <laughs> that oh scene is the best because it's like that... oh it's God. like auntie bella's playing like the little synthesizer at the table in front of the birthday cake and ricky's like <laughs> singing along with it and, and Heck like, looks miserable. And Heck looks miserable. <laughs> and then the like the cherry on top is Ricky blows out the can the candles and old old curmudgeon Heck just like coughs because the smoke the is like blowing. <laughs> He can't be like bothered to like oh smile my or anything. God, and yeah, it's just like the characters I, again. Like, God, the casting's God great. Yeah. Casting Sam Neil. is so good. Sam, yeah, okay. So Sam Neil plays Uncle Heck, which I think this is probably one of my favorite roles of Sam Neil. Oh. And I also totally forgot that he is a Kiwi. Yeah, he's been in so many other films where he's like British, Irish, American, Russian. He's in Hunt for the Red October. <laughs> yeah, he's a new, he's a he's a New <laughs> he's Zealand Ki- chameleon. Yeah. He is a Kiwi, and so this is actually him with his real accent, which I adore. Yeah. Um, but Ugh. he, I mean, I, I mean, they all, all of them. Like Julian Dennison is adorable. He plays Ricky, mm-hmm. and for those who don't know who Julian Dennison is, he's also in the second Deadpool film. That's right. Um, yeah. He's amazing and super funny, and it's just it's good writing, it's good casting, and they like embodied the characters so well. Now, oh. Rachel oh. House is the. Uh, is the social, That's social welfare. welfare. She is hysterical. So goddamn funny. <laughs> she's oh in Ragnarok God. and yeah, she's she's, in a she's whole the bunch uh, of other she's stuff by uh, Jeff Goldblum's like second in command in Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, what does that smell like to you? Burnt toast. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rachel House. She is probably my second favorite character. She's got that this. like that like deadpan like comedy down pat. Like she knows <laughs> she knows when yeah. to be like super serious with her jokes yeah. and stuff. So they come no across as just absurd, and it's so great. <laughs> no child left behind. No, no child, child left behind. behind. He'll know no what child. that means. Uh, it's yeah. It's. It's amazing. I mean, and the thing is, you know, you get you get really funny actors who nail their their roles, and then you get really witty, funny, weird writing yeah. from Taika, and it's just gold. They're just like, gold. yeah, the two in tandem are just like mm-hmm. it's like fitting that puzzle, that last puzzle piece, and just like it's oh, it feels so good, just like yeah. Ugh. Yep, it's amazing, and uh, I feel like this is going to just be Jojo Rabbit round two because it's the same kind of stuff that you see in all of his work. Like it's yeah. just so saturated with him, and you know the soundtrack pieces that he picks is amazing music, and it fits his kind of persona so well for his filmmaking style. Mm-hmm. And again, you see a lot of very kind of Wes Anderson style like scene cuts and transitions. He, he just has like yeah, the transitions yeah. are like really unique to him. With some flair, you can see where his persuasions have kind of come from, from other film directors. And it's, it's like, oh, yeah, and God, his, it's so good. And another thing that, like, always, like, surpri- it doesn't surprise me, but it's like, I should, I shouldn't be as, like, surprised as I am, is, like, his choice for music is always just so on point. God, like, yeah. the soundtracks to <laughs> his so movies, good. even, like, <laughs> Thor, mm-hmm. he just, he has a knack a knack. He's got the knack. He's got the knack, the, for, got the knack. for just like <laughs> knowing which songs to place in which scenes. 
and I feel like there's the the scene where they're like doing like their big trek through the woods and it's the the Sinner Man song is playing old Sinner Man where you gonna run to oh yeah and yeah like that it, it's just the 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 perfect like uh what are they called like uh like montage scenes of mm-hmm. like them making There's their way through the bush and like hunting and like doing all the all the stuff they need to survive while they're on the run from like the the police and stuff and mm-hmm. It is beautiful cinematography, uh, yeah. and there's yeah. a lot of montage esque scenes. I think, you know, you know, we were, we were talking about this the other day, but my favorite kind of montage scene he does is the one with the Leonard Cohen song. Is it? Is it the? Oh, yeah. um, what's that song called? Is it the the part? Oh God, I'm totally spacing out. I'll write it down later. It's like about um, a soldier yeah. or something like that, right? Yeah. So they, but it's beautifully yeah. shot because it looks like the camera is just going in a full 360. But it's like the the scenes are changing the whole time and it's just all, you know, Ricky and Hecker trying to uh, get away from the cops and from child services. And then in the next kind of panel over, you see child services and the cops looking for them. And in the next panel over, it's back to Heck and and Ricky and the dogs and trying to, you know, it's a a good job of like slates, you know, like where you have like you'll have like a, a clear slate of somebody doing something and then you can kind of like have them walk in like you can yeah. edit it so it's like them walking through and it then have that seamless. slate disappear so it looks like they're they're on it's the same person on the screen for like a second yep. Yep. and that's yep. it's, it's such a cool transition style because it shows like it's it's obviously them moving from scene to scene but like mm-hmm. you know you're kind but of blurring like the lines of like how yeah. much time is passing and stuff like that and yeah. yeah, it's it's just spot on cinematography style, oh, yeah. and 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 the thing is, it's such good storytelling. And in that scene, it's just Leonard Cohen singing. There's no dialogue yeah. coming from the actors, so you're just seeing a montage sequence in a very slow 360. But it's telling you what's going on without having to use any dialogue whatsoever. It's right. perfect. It's so good. Ah, <sighs> oh, Taika. So good. Ah. <laughs> Majestical. I it is majestical. I think this is actually the first Taika film I ever saw. Oh yeah, I think it was for me too. Honestly, yeah, because I think I might have seen What We Do in the Shadows before this, but didn't realize like it was. was, Yeah, I didn't really know Taika at that point, and also like at that time I wasn't super into um, mockumentaries, so I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now. (laughs) That's fair. I mean, I feel like that. It's a very it's a niche style. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, seeing this, it's like I, I grew such a huge appreciation for his work because this movie is just so, so crisp and so tight and it's really yeah. well put together. And I mean, I'm going to bounce back actually to to Bella's character. She the, the, the setting that he creates in the beginning where Ricky is kind of dropped off at Bella and Heck's house where they're not actually his family. They're right. just another foster family. Right. But she treats him like family, and she is like the warmest, oh, sweetest she's, lady. She's so excited to see him as soon as he I drives know. up, and like immediately she's gives so him a precious. big hug, and like she just she's right off the bat just so sweet to him, and just so yeah. loving and inviting. And yeah, I mean, there's some really sweet, tender moments where she's like, "Are you going to run away today?" He said, "I don't know. I haven't, I haven't thought. I don't know yet." She said, "Okay, well, I don't mind just as long as you're back for breakfast." Right. Like she's so precious and she's so sweet and sincere with him and she treats him like with respect which I feel like he mm-hmm. hasn't really had any sort of like normalized living situation until right. now. Right. He hasn't and, had that like level of stability. And so he's yeah. like so distrusting of anyone that like, you know, yeah. just in general. I know. 
I know. And she's beyond adorable yeah. and so sweet and so loving. And there's, I think, the the kind of cutest tender moment is where she's, you know, tucking him into bed and she said after the, his birthday mm-hmm. song and cake and she said, I'm really glad we found you, buddy. I'm sorry it took so long. And it's like, oh, my yeah. God, my heart. I <laughs> like, I, I can't. <laughs> and, the, and the little thing that they do with their hands too, where she's like, yeah, like he's she like walking up his hands. hand with her fingers, yeah. and then he like does the same thing back to her, and it's I just know. like you see it like is... their relationship just like blossoming and like in a very so short period of time, yeah. like it's it just she's she's so welcoming so quickly, and he really kind of warms up to her immediately because she's so sweet, and then of course you know in depressing film fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes back from the like walking around with his dog, and unfortunately, it looks like she has passed away yeah. from a heart attack or a stroke, stroke or something. Yeah. They find, where she's, yeah, it's, yeah. Oh my god, he, that's when he finds Heck like just wailing. Just, oh my god, yeah, Sam Neil, man, that yeah. scene. He is just like an actually like how any spouse would be if they find their significant right. other just crumpled on the floor, and it's oh my god. It's also yeah. like. The way that it's shot with, like, Ricky kind of lingering, and I think it's because, like, he doesn't, he hasn't seen Heck, like, show any, like, real emotion at all. Right, he's so stoic up until that point. I think he's just, like, stunned and doesn't know what to do, that he just, like, kind of stays back, and he's just, like, in shock of, like, seeing one, you know, Heck crying, but, like, also Bella, you know, this, this person that was, like, essentially the rock for him, like, this new, like steady point in his life and just she's gone all of a sudden it, like yeah. yeah it is so sudden because you're like oh this is so cute he finally has stability yeah. and then they just drop that hat and you're like oh my god you've got to be kidding me mm-hmm. like it was looking so good and so promising it's like yay he gets stability with this sweet sweet lady and it just all goes to shit yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so tragic it's so tragic <sighs> uh, but yeah i mean it's Again, it's like going back to Taika's kind of style. He does such an amazing job of having really heavy and poignant yeah. scenes. That balancing sh- act that he does. Yeah, balancing like the sad, depressing aspects of life. Right. And then putting it up against ridiculously funny scenes, which in some cases you're like, give me a second to breathe. Yeah. But, in, yeah. but in in his kind of style, it's it's perfectly executed like after bella dies and you you see like ricky's kind of leaning around the corner mm-hmm. and watching heck just losing it over his wife passing which is it's totally heartbreaking reasonable. Yeah. yeah and they they jump over to their at the funeral and who pops in for the one scene he's in but taika himself as the pastor it's so funny <laughs> It is the most ridiculous scene after this like horribly tragic heart wrenching scene. And then you bounce over to Taika as a pastor who's he's doing the eulogy and it's the most absurdly wacky eulogy ever. And it just incomplete Taika. It's like one of those things that like you don't. (laughs) It doesn't seem like you like it, it would work on paper. Is like that right. that that, juxtap- that quick juxtaposition between like darkness right. and like comedy, but right. like that is like it's almost like the perfect palate cleanser for like Absolutely. that moment because you're going from like you know well one you know that this is a Taika Waititi movie hopefully or you know if you don't know going into it like that's your problem how dare you um but like (laughs) do your research man (laughs) he does like he knows just the right amount of time to kind of linger on that darkness before bringing you back up and being like okay so now Mm -hmm. now now that we've gotten here here's the here's where we're gonna start the solution to all this trauma or like here's where like everything kind of 
begins. You know, you yeah, start from that low point it. and then you have to, you know. Yeah, and he he did this in in JoJo as well yeah. where you know, you've got these beautifully cute funny scenes and then they butt up against something that's horribly tragic and then he has a palate cleanser in some way that you would think would not work mm-hmm. and be like that's too jarring. Like why would you pick that as a transitioner? But it, it's beautifully executed right. every time. And he does that multiple times in the film. Like you get a little bit more background with Ricky and his foster care experience where they're in the bush and he and Heck are talking one night. And Ricky comments that, you know, um, Heck is still processing the death of Bella. And right. he says, when I when my best friend died, it took me ages to process. And he's like, oh, what happened to your friend? And he goes through like the the girl that he yeah. used to know in foster care sounds like she was being molested by the foster dad and yeah. then all of a sudden she just died and no one would tell him what happened it's so and yeah, so it's, it, like it, horrific story just kind of dropped in the middle and i feel like that's actually the, a, a really good grounding moment for heck because he realizes that this kid has not had an easy life yeah he's, he starts he's to not really just understand some dumb, him more dumb hooligan that was like thrown under his he's not just a little city boy yeah, yeah. no he's had these traumas yeah yeah it's a really important moment i think for heck to kind of start being a little bit kinder to him Mm -hmm. not because he has sympathy but he understands that like for the kind of trauma that he's been through he's weirdly adjusted (laughs) yeah no it's it's almost it's almost like it's just a he's come to understand that like he and ricky are just so much more similar in general yeah like they both like gone through these really rough like because they allude to, you know, Heck. Well, Heck goes comes right out and says that he's like he's been to jail before because he yeah he had he, a troubled he, he manslaughtered youth. somebody he manslaughtered <laughs> and um, yeah in his like twenties or something yeah right? and he did his time but like it like obviously changed him and like he kind of almost I feel like he almost sees like himself and Ricky in some ways because they're both mm-hmm. they both have this like this this troubled past that they're. Tr- you know, trying to reconcile with and like yeah, kind of they're both pretty misunderstood. Forward. Yeah, exactly. It it is kind of a, a cute little duo that turns out at the end of you know they they are really like family by the end of it. Yeah, and it it I think it's actually even sweeter because you know the book they are truly family. They're just kind of a strange family, but this is like they're real. They're not flesh and blood, and they really become family at the end and mm-hmm. and you kind of see that transition where um auntie bella was like you can call me bella or you can call me auntie or auntie bella whatever you like mm-hmm. and heck's like you can call me heck right and that's it you don't get to call me anything other than heck and then towards like the middle and end he actually not only stops correcting ricky when he calls him uncle but actually is like you can call me uncle if yeah. you want so they have this dynamic that drastically changes and he really does become a father-like figure for him and it's it, it's just so good. Yeah. And the, the the content to start was really good. And then Taika just put his beautiful spin on. Yeah, it. exactly. I, he does like, it so well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just he makes a, my heart. He's a great eye for like picking like media to like. Yes, great source material. Uh, yeah, to, like, he does it. Con- yeah, convert into like his movies and stuff like that because mm-hmm. I feel like well, especially this one uh, being like set in New Zealand. Uh, probably mm-hmm. has like an even bigger like meaning for him. Oh yeah, no. I mean this is his world, yeah. this is his land. You know, I I think that this would be a lot closer to home for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, and also he picked a lot of um, 
you know, I think everybody he worked with was also New Zealanders. I mean, yeah. the entire cast is, it's all locals. Yeah. Um, I think the crew they, too, well, like locals. that was, I think I yeah. read something about like how he made sure that like the crew was a lot of like Maori uh, mm-hmm. people. And yeah, you know. yeah, it's, it's really, really a, a really sweet setup on so many levels of like, I feel like, you know, I need to do some more digging, but I feel like this could be easily be like a passion piece for him because there's so much of his culture yeah. just like drenched in this. Yeah. And the book was based there. So it's not like he's changing it up to fit his lens. Like it was already yeah. based there. He really it's, didn't. Ugh. He really didn't have to change much, honestly. No, like, it, it's so it's it does a, the source material justice 100 percent. And I feel like yeah. it, if anyone were to like make a movie of the book. Taika's like he's the obvious choice and like the best choice oh for it. And I'm I'm yeah. happy that they that he was given the opportunity to make this because it's just mm-hmm. a it's a wonderful movie. It's it's it great. Is. It makes you laugh, makes you cry, makes you think. I know. It's it's just such clever writing yeah. and I, I just I feel like I'm just going in circles at this point. But it I think one of the the coolest things about it is the fact that I totally forgot that the book was written in 86. Yeah. Because the book the book is kind of dated in ways, but not really. It doesn't I mean, it doesn't feel it feels like a story that could be told like any like yeah. at any point. Like the only thing that kind of gave it away for me was like how low of like a dollar amount they were putting on like right. the, <laughs> the the price on like find like any information to their whereabouts and stuff like that. It's like mm-hmm. only a thousand dollars. Like this is like a nationwide yeah. manhunt. Like I'm a little yeah. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, oh, right, 80s, 86. 80s, that, it's, a 80s, bit, yeah. it's probably like $5,000 or something like that. Yeah, right. And also, like, Taika kind of, you know, he brought it into the 2000s with the way that Ricky dresses. And he has a lot of, like, he's, he calls himself a gangster. And right. The, the, the skook's life chose me. And he names his dog Tupac. Tupac and, like, that's right. he, he has a lot of stuff that he brings into the, like, you know, d- new and day and age from the book that. I don't think it detracts from anything, no. but it definitely helps you, like, it's now. Yeah, it helps you relate to, like, the, you know, just the characters a little bit more when you, like, you know what they're talking about a bit. <laughs> you have a better understanding, yeah. you know, for sure. Yeah, I think, but yeah, for sure. It's one of those, um, yeah, it's like a timeless story almost. Like, you could probably base it in any, like, fairly recent time period and that would, I believe yeah. it. Well, and it's like, because it takes place out in the bush most of the time you don't have any sort of city epicenters you're not talking about anything Mm -hmm. that is like the most newfangled like electronics and toys and things like that because you're in the middle of the woods the woods is the woods is the woods like it doesn't matter when you (laughs) when it is right Right. no (laughs) so it is kind of ageless from the book standpoint but yeah it's man alive it's just (laughs) it's great oh my god i know i feel like i just want to start just quoting directly from the movie now because there's just so many little nuggets in there shit that are just, just got so real. shit just got real again again <laughs> <laughs> he's a molester <laughs> oh my god yeah there's some really funny and some really awkward yeah. and some really sad and oh my god there's like everything that you could possibly want to feel in a film it's got that full range of all emotions those boxes that are you, checked like, yeah. You don't know that yeah. you need when watching a yeah. film, but like when you come out on the other side, you're like, oh man, that was that was really good. That was like the perfect combination. Yeah, and he even kept the kind of book format where it was chapter one, chapter two, mm-hmm. and one of the chapters is Broken Foot Camp. Mm-hmm. So he pulled even some of the the chapter titles yeah. as like a kind of a visual setting the scene directly from the book. And so it's oh 
lordy so it's just so good <sighs> and taika you've done it again you've done it again if you're listening please be my friend yeah um, <laughs> i'm gonna start I... emailing all the taiko at gmail.com oh that we can. my god i will find you <laughs> not in a creepy way i want to be your friend please be my friend just, uh, keep, just start god. tweeting at him maybe that'll do something. i know <laughs> i actually did at him in my in my uh tweets when i released the jojo rabbit and mm. I have yet to hear back no, from him. Well, I'm yeah, slightly no. disappointed. He could be behind uh, like a couple months. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it was a long shot, yeah, folks. Well, but uh, a girl can dream, can't she? Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yep. 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 All right. Well, any final thoughts on the film or should we bounce over to uh, the comparison? Uh, yeah, I think we I think we gushed enough. I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate, yeah. but we'll we'll save you <laughs> listeners some more gushing oh, for later. For sure. um, yeah, so let's bounce in to the comparison. So there's actually quite a bit to compare. Yeah, I feel like the ending is really where it kind of splits. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, what yeah. were your thoughts on how the book versus the film ended? Because the let's see, remind me, the book ended with them just it was kind of a kind of on a cliffhanger and then they got like a little ep- like a little thing at the end ep- from an epilogue, Robbie, right? Yeah. So they so if I remember correctly, it's been a second since I read the book, I but have it right here. I'm they to... <laughs> they leave they leave the bush and then um Heck does time. Yeah. And then Ricky goes into um, social services until he... So he's 15, um, isn't that right? Until he's 15. Yeah, it's, it's like technically... six months or so. I think there's a yeah. there's like a six-month period where where Ricky and Heck are separated because... Yeah, they finally like kind of cave in saying, you know, I think we're done. We should call it, a, call it good yeah. and just de- see where the chips fall. And so they leave the bush. He does time. And then they actually... It sounds like Robbie, who is the guy that they met with... Um, to help hunt for right, the, the, possum the skins pelts. and stuff like that they would bring back down. He writes an aside at the very end of the book of what he sees happen. And it sounds like once Heck gets out of prison, he and Ricky they go back get out, back together. Right? And yeah. Ricky has since learned photography right. as a hobby. And they decide that there was a bird, a, a very rare bird that they had seen on their travels first yes. off that they wanted to go back and find to take pictures of. And so they go back into the bush and then it kind of alludes to like they were never seen again. So like, are they still in the bush? Do they die? Like right. they actually, like, yeah. they, we don't know. It just ends like they go into the bush and, and they never come back out. They never, yeah, he never sees them again, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So it's very ambiguous, but it's hard to say if they, if I mean, chances are if they never come back out, that sounds pretty foreboding. Right. But like um, at the same yeah. time, it's it's one of those things where it's like it's what they both it's what Ricky learned to love and what Heck mm-hmm. had kind of loved the entire time was that like solitary like feeling in the in the bush and in the woods mm-hmm. and like it is that is what the that is the life that he ultimately wants to live is like the yeah. sim- the simple life of just fending for yourself and enjoying nature and living in it yeah and it it sounds like you know they were you know if they did pass that they were doing what they loved they were together they were in the bush where they loved to be and they were there for like a year and a half or something i mean it was a really long time before they left um so very very different timeline yeah than the film because they were only in the bush for like what five months i think six so months? yeah like something like that six months a couple or so. months not yeah. even a year 
Um, so very, very condensed timeline in the film. Mm-hmm. And because Ricky is <laughs> like super into the thug life kind of aspect where he's like, go down in blaze of glory. Right. And like, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Cause so they have, they have the whole, they have a, like a whole troop of like police officers following them <laughs> and like a tank. And, yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. And it goes into this crazy chase like chase scene. to the very yeah. end, and they steal a car from Reese Darby's character, who is Crazy Sam. Crumpy, Crumpy, <laughs> and so <laughs> they, Psycho they are Sam. Psycho Sam. Yep. Excuse yep. me, not Crazy Sam. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's like this crazy car chase, and that turns into Ricky calling Heck a traitor because Heck wants to give put him, it in yeah, and give himself up. He's, yeah, Ricky's not ready, so you know it's like craziness ensues, and Ricky accidentally shoots Heck in the butt with a twenty-two, and right. yeah. then they, he gets arrested, does his time. Ricky goes back into social services, which that's very similar, and then they end up meeting back up, and then they again go into. Actually, no, Ricky doesn't go back into. No, social no, no. Services. He, he he starts he living with lives... the the family that yeah. he uh, he met up with when they were trying to help the ranger. The diabetic ranger. Right. He went to get help and meets a cute girl yeah. and her dad who live on the outskirts of the bush. And so he ends up living with them, which I thought was a really cute addition yeah. because that's another kind of nice example where he sees a relatively well-adjusted family dynamic for the first time. Yeah. And then he ends up with them as part of the family, which is adorable. And I love that. Um, but yeah, kind of similar vibe, but way different turn of events to yeah. get there. <laughs> yeah. This crazy car chase and everything. and. But yeah, and then they end up going back into the bush to find that kind of the, majestical bird. The huya. The huya, yeah. yeah. And and then that's kind of, they just walk into the bush and, you know, that's not sort of, so much allu- alluding to that they die in the right. bush. Right, I think it assumes that they'll be adventure. coming back out at some point or another because yeah. they have a life outside of it, or at least Ricky does. And mm-hmm. Heck wants to be a part of that too. Like, yeah. there's the sweet scene where like he has a, uh, where they meet up after like being separated for a while and Heck has... Uh, has written a haiku for Ricky. Yeah. And it's like haikus <laughs> are like Ricky's read. like <laughs> thing that helps him like cope with being in stressful situations and stuff like that. And uh, it's just so sweet that like, like heck has imprinted on Ricky as much as Ricky has imprinted on heck. And they like, yeah. they truly have respect and love for each other. Yeah. And he goes back to calling him uncle, yeah. which is again, like a very cute, endearing kind of pet name. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's a really sweet ending, and I feel like there was a lot more closure in the film than there was in like very much open, and it ended on the book side. Yeah, and and it wasn't even told from Ricky's perspective; it was told from an outsider. So right. then it's even more kind of mysterious of like what happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was not then. expecting the last chapter to be like from no. the perspective from the the person that was like helping them, which was, yeah, 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 very big twist there. But yeah, I think that was like probably the biggest diversion of yeah the other than lines, like really other than like uh auntie bella and heck not being related to him and yeah like, i actually don't, enjoyed they, that more yeah. i think that they weren't actually family yeah. because him calling them auntie and uncle i think was sweeter yeah because it was meant to be a pet name not they're actually auntie and uncle exactly um i right. actually enjoyed that <laughs> yeah um trying to think also i mean there were some obviously there are some characters that they didn't have in there but like um the the rachel um house's character uh oh my god wasn't yeah wasn't in the book like 
it really it really doesn't like focus on on anyone but Ricky and Heck and mm-hmm. like from their perspective essentially throughout the Yeah, Taika definitely built out a much richer universe yeah. with his adaptation. Um so you get to see cuz I feel like if you're watching a movie that's just a boy and a man in the woods, yeah. it starts to feel like a survival movie. Right. You know, which is not the vibe. Right. And you're not, not you don't actually just... actively see the stakes that are like building up at right. all. So like right. yeah, absolutely like I think that was the the perfect choice. Like it's great in a in in the book form because you're just focused on those two characters like you can have a book just based around two characters oh yeah like doing a movie just based around like two characters is a little bit harder to do and you have to like it's got a different tone it really it makes it feel more isolated when you're really only seeing those two characters which if that's the if that's the style you're going for it makes sense but for this particular story it is supposed to be about you know, building experiences together as kind of a, fa- a kind of a haphazard family unit, and then also having, like you were saying, the high stakes yeah. of being on the run and being able to like, uh, like understand what those stakes are. Because like mm-hmm. throughout the book, I feel like you don't really understand like what's going on until they actually make contact with the outside world at certain points. Yeah. So they, yeah, you know what like, they know, which is very little. You're just as surprised <laughs> as the protagonists are when they find yeah. out that there's like a essentially a. a uh, a bounty on the or not a bounty but like a a, a reward put it on is, you know for yeah, finding yeah it is them. a bounty yeah, i guess so yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and i i agree i think that you know the book is solely fo- following the two you know the boy and the man around and then you're learning what's happening in the outside world as they are learning. Exactly. Whereas with Taika's rendition, you know, you're seeing all the moving pieces happening simultaneously. And again, going back to that, um, the Leonard Cohen scene where you're seeing all of it kind of coming to a head in the same, what looks to be the same shot. Right. So you're really seeing it all converge into that moment. And it's just chef's kiss. Yeah. Just God bless. I look, it's just so I, I looked it up and the song is called The Partisan. The partisan. I kept trying to think. I'm like the pup. I know. The, 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 Thank the, you. The puppy. Uh, the pineapple. Yeah, I could not. I know. I was like, it's in my. It's on the tip of my tongue. But yeah, it's great stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that is probably hands down my favorite scene in yeah. the entire movie. Yeah. It's just beautiful. So I will great. have to find it and post it later. But yeah, it's just. It's hard to pick it apart because parts that the book did really well that may not have been in the film. Taika really fleshed it out in other ways mm-hmm. that really kind of filled that gap and made it into something kind of unique and colorful, but still kept the story. And it yeah, like all like of all of his interactions so with like Heck and Bella at the beginning, because I feel like they do like the book is really good at kind of like showing the love that Bella has, but like when you actually like see like what she does for Ricky and how much she actually like wants him there and like it. Adding like the act, the whole uh, the adaptation, like the the movie adaptation, you get like such a wider range of like of just emotional uh, spectrum. The emotional spectrum's yeah. all there because you're see. Not only are you like hearing what they're saying, but like you're you're understanding through like like cue like facial tics, facial cue. Like you understand that like these people, like she is sincerely there for Ricky and wants him to be there. Like I know. the acting is just so so on point. It's so pure. So I love it. It is. It is really good. And and the fact that Auntie Bella is in a fraction of the film and is still like the one yeah. role that really resonates, yeah. especially with 
my experience of watching it that says so much about the character development because I don't think I had nearly as much attachment to Auntie Bella in the book. Like she's, she is kind and very sweet Mm -hmm. in the book, but I feel like Taika really built out her character in such a phenomenal way that her death was so so impactful soul crushing yeah. Yeah. yeah and it really hits you so much harder in the film yeah um because her character is just beyond like lovable and the actor they picked for her like Rima is just amazing so like it's just yeah. She, yeah, she really is like the heart of the movie, and you only get to know her for a few minutes, but like you, I know, but you like feel so sad and distraught when you when she I passes know. away, and it's like I know she's just she has that charm, like that. Ugh, it's so good. Actually, that just made me think. I think one of my other favorite scenes oh, yeah. in the film is, uh, which is not in the book, is we find out when again. You have like Taika being awesome with his scene kind of mm-hmm. construction where there's a really tragic scene where they get into a boar fight and the oh, boar is yeah. too big and unfortunately kills one of their dogs, which again is really tragic right. and really horrific and they have to put the dog out of its misery and it's awful. So that happens and it's in the movie, it's Hex Dog. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty graphic. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really sad because again, it's like Heck losing another thing that he loved. Like he's really attached to his dog. Exactly. And so that scene is like really depressing and then, you know, they're they're away from that scene and they're in this beautiful area the next scene with a waterfall and it's all lush and green and then Ricky pulls out Auntie Bella's, Bella's ashes, remains yeah. cuz yeah and so he's like you've been carrying her around this whole time and he said, "Yeah, I wanted to put her to rest somewhere that she would want to be." Right. And so then they he's spreading her ashes in this like beautiful like it's picturesque serene. spot yeah. and it's perfect and it's it, and, it like ugh. but it also it gives credence to like an earlier converse, conversation that uh bella and ricky were having about like mm-hmm. where she came from and like how she has the story of like this lake that touches the clouds in the mm-hmm. you know on it's the so high up it touches the sky yeah. yeah and then like heck reveals later on that like bella didn't really have a family and that she was you know she was exactly like they were sort of like misfits but just like mm-hmm. wanted to wanted to make their own family essentially and yeah he says something like i she just liked to collect broken things yeah. that's why I, she fo- that's why she found me that's yeah, why found she found you, you. Yeah. she just wanted to fix things that were broken and it's oh it's just like beautiful imagery that you don't really get that kind of kind of character development of bella in the book right. and it's oh taiga <sighs> so good i'm just like getting all teary it was just so good it was so beautifully constructed and it is really just like perfect yeah how he he built that out from really nothing i mean there's not really much in the book that gives that kind of background (sighs) he he created all of that it just shows like how good he is as like a writer and like how he Mm -hmm. can like spin gold from straw you know from barely anything yeah. yeah and it's just like a pull in them heartstrings and it's just oh yeah. god did i mention how amazing he is <laughs> no i don't think so i think we should have mentioned it at least three more times oh, <laughs> do you know that scene from uh which which uh indiana jones is it where the dude's face melts you oh, know yeah. that scene is uh, it the nazi's face yeah. is that the first yeah, one yeah it's the first one where it's, the uh, nazi's face is like yeah, where the claymation face oh, yeah. just goes. Oh, yeah. That's what's happening in my in my head right now of just how amazing Taika is. Like I'm just having this like face melting moment of like, God, why are you so good at this? How are you so good at this? 
Dude! He just has a yeah. way with, you know, the medium that he works through. That like, yeah, it's gold. It just, just it's beautiful. I can't. I know it is gorgeous work, and I know I'm sure people are banging their heads against the wall. Like, yeah, we get it. It's gorgeous. I'm like, you don't understand. No, if you, you gotta go, you gotta it, go watch it. Like, <laughs> it's like, go watch this film. <laughs> between yeah, between the acting, the cinematography, the the writing, it's just. Ugh. I know it hits every box that I want yeah. in a film. It really does. It's, yeah, it's. It, Ugh. And it's not a very long movie, too. Like it's no, I mean like it's a standard. A half, yeah, you know? it's a standard run, and it's I don't know. I just feel like I go through kind of uh, like phases of what films I'm feeling as far as like t- types of genres of films or like mm-hmm. what like I'm really gravitating towards at the time as far as like oh that's one of my favorites or oh I'm really in the mood for this right now. And without fail, this movie hits at least one if not multiple categories of like what i'm vibing yeah. for yeah. At, without fail it's just so i mean ugh. it's just it's one of those things where like i've seen it like six or seven times at this i've point. seen it so many times I, like I, every time i see it i'm just like yeah it so holds up it, it just gets better <laughs> oh yeah that part <laughs> i know and it's yeah i think it's quotable and it's beautiful to look at and it's a really cute story and it I think again like one of my favorite things about Taika is he does such a good job of capturing normal moments like it doesn't feel right. like it's cinematography it feels like l- real life moments and it can be sad and soul crushing and it can be precious and really heartfelt and he does such a good job of just capturing kind of human interaction yeah, because life isn't just like one emotion like you have to have right. like it, it's a it's a melting pot of different things. And like, he's able to like, kind of examine that, like just a drop of that under a microscope. And you have all the different pieces and bits that fit together so perfectly. Yeah. And like with something like Thor Ragnarok, where it is meant to be fantastical and like uh, majestical where it's not, you know, it's, it's make, it is more make believe. And so you can kind of get away, but even with something like that, he's able to really bring kind of the humanism to it. And he really just, his work is so grounding in so many ways and yeah he can do no wrong that's true he can do no wrong it's like whatever you want to do you do it Please. i will support everything i will give you um, my monies i know <laughs> every time <sighs> also all the stuff he's doing with what we do in the shadows right now again chef's kiss yep. like he's just <laughs> yes representation <laughs> so good. matters so good like He's awesome with hiring BIPOC colleagues and native Kiwis, mm-hmm. and he's great at showing representation in all sorts of ways. Like the main character in this movie is a kind of overweight brown boy, yeah. and he is that way through the entire thing and is amazing. Yeah. Like it has nothing to do with the character. It's just that's how he looks, and that's it. There's, they don't, t- they, you know, they, they kind of poke fun that he is kind of on the, on the bigger side, right. but by the end of it, no one cares. It's it like, doesn't matter. He's just Ricky, and it's so good. Is, what is it Bella says? Like, looks like someone ate the person who ate all the pies or something. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, it looks like you ate all the pies. Oh, oh sorry. Looks like no. It's like looks then, like you ate the person who ate all the pies. Who, which is yeah. Even, <laughs> even worse, yeah, it, you take you're one step removed from just eating all the pies. You I ate know. a person too on top of a that. person on top of yeah. that. Yeah, it is. It is very funny. I mean, they they do have a little bit of fat shaming in the yeah. beginning, but it's. It is definitely watered down. I feel like the book definitely focuses on that a lot more, especially like halfway through the book when they meet up with Robbie, who lives on the outer skirts of of the bush. Oh, yeah. He hasn't seen himself in a mirror right. for like almost he a comes year out, by he's that like, point. I'm skinny. He's like, I'm, I'm, skin- thin. I'm thin. He's like, how did I? How did I get so thin? 
you, you didn't tell me. Heck, you didn't tell me I was thick. It's like, I didn't call you so fat. It's <laughs> like, yeah, oh, I guess exactly. so. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I stopped calling you fat because you weren't fat anymore. And like, they make a point of that, which, I mean, I, I mean, realistically, that probably would hey, happen if you're extremely I, active I and barely that. eating as I, much. I've, I've yeah. done those like body transformations where I've gone from like yeah. 200 and... 40 pounds and i've gone in like a couple years <laughs> down to like 160 and it's yeah it is it's it like wild it, it's you rub your eyes and you're like is that me in the- did that happen yeah yeah <laughs> what it is pretty wild to th- i mean that and that is accurate yeah. i mean you're out it's in true. the wilderness for that long and you're not eating you know super processed you're, you're not you don't have a mirror active. to look at yourself like you're right the only thing you, you probably like like realizes that like and i think they bring it up a couple times is like his clothes start like not like fitting a little right. bit looser on him right but they also say that they're in the same clothes for that entire right. time so they're like they have to keep makeshift fixing their right. clothes with like with like roots and, like, and vines and things trading and, like, out like shoes at one point yeah they're trading out people's shoes in, in huts yeah. and stuff so i mean it's all just like this kind of scarecrow look yeah exactly on. motley crew sort of <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Robbie even comments in the book, it's like, yeah, they looked like a hot mess. Yeah. Like, they they were just covered head to toe with dirt, and they just looked so just, like, yeah. sallow and very gaunt. Sallow, gaunt, and, like, constantly, like, looking out for, like, people. Very so, nervous. Yeah, very... <laughs> what was that? <laughs> yep, because they're on, they're the, on run. the run. Yeah. yeah, but I, yeah, it's very, it's just amazing how different of a vibe the book had versus the film and yet they were so close together yeah. and it's yeah taika just kind of pulled all of the beautiful parts of the story out and then fleshed out the rest with his kind of mad genius and yeah it was all there <gasps> it was all there for him to work with too it which was. was great it was like, i feel like it was a it, yeah it was just a very well represented like well done representation of the book and that yeah mm-hmm. like i said earlier like i I like both a lot. Like they're both great yeah. in their own ways, and yeah, I think I just <sighs> I'm, I've seen the movie more times, so I can relate to yes. that a little bit better. But like, in, but I was actually surprised by the book and like how much I like really and really didn't want to put it down after starting to you know read yeah. it. Yeah, well, especially after reading um, Caging Skies yeah. and you know doing Jojo <laughs> Rabbit, fair. that was such a one eighty of. Like the they just went off the rails, and also the book was nothing but soul. No, exactly. Yeah. Um. So I was kind of getting ready. I'm like, let's see what Taika does with his magic very, about very making this crazy, <laughs> yeah, like making this crazy story into his own little like Frankenstein monster exactly. of awesomeness. And it was actually really spot on. Um. I was I was pleasantly surprised. Slash, you know, it wouldn't have mattered. I still would have loved it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd say if you if you watch the movie, definitely try and read the book because it's yeah, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, it's fun. Do the audiobook or listen, listen to the audio book. Yeah, get yeah, Mr. Crump's bro in there. Yeah, I know. I should have written down his brother's name. I apologize. I don't remember his brother's name. Oh, um, well. but yeah, <laughs> go and find it, folks. It's great. It's great. All right, that's Did it. We do it. We're done. We did oh my it. Gosh. We're done. Um, stop listening to. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, actually, there is one quote Ooh, that I really there's wanted. There's more, of course. That, like it was at the, right Hit at the end of it. the book, but I thought it was pretty good. It, like a really good, like kind of summarization of like Ricky's character in the book. Oh yeah, let's hear it. All right. <clears throat> Uh, The Uruweta country had taken things off me and given me things. It had sheltered me and frightened me. The bush still stands there growing and minding its own business. 
The ridges are just as high and broken as they ever were. The streams and rivers still tumble and rush and flood down the valleyways. The rain and snow and sun and wind still please themselves. Uh, please themselves what they do without being interested in me. But I see it differently now. It had taught me something other people never could. It had taught me how to stick to the rules that weren't my that weren't my rules, just like everything else had to. In fact, I was beginning to see how it all works. The rock gives in to the vegetable kingdom, the vegetable world takes from the mineral and gives up to the animal world, and then me, human beings, people, the last in the whole arrangement. But I could only take advantage of my place in it by sticking to the rules, and to go step and to step out of line could get me killed. It taught you respect, realizing a, thi- uh, realizing a thing like that. It might be the same for, uh, with everything, for all I know, and just go on forever. Ugh. Yeah. What a great way to end this, sir. Thank you. That is beautiful. Yeah, I, it, the, it just really stuck with me. It was like, it was the yeah. perfect, like, just summarization of, like, how Ricky understands the world so much more after he's been, like, through the, just in the wilderness for a few months. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he, I feel like that'd be life-changing, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. To have an experience like that. Yeah. Oh, that is a beautiful way to end this, Mr. Spencewar. Thank you. Of course, yeah. Um, Oh, that's a wrap. We did it. We made it through (sighs) and almost didn't take up the entire time with just typing. Yeah, only like 45 minutes. That's pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) Only like half of it. (laughs) It's fine. fine. We made it. You know, I'll take what I can get. And if people are listening to this and hear anything about Taika, they should just be prepared for me to just gush about Taika all the time. Hell yeah uh so good well thank you spencer for joining thanks me. for having me again this was a lot this of fun has been s- oh yes anytime you just let me know um before we sign off uh what are you doing what are you reading oh my gosh tell me, tell me what's in your life right now um i am let me grab the book i'm currently mm. i just started reading a couple books nice um one is verity by colleen hoover Ooh. um it's like kind of I haven't gotten too far into it. I'm reading it for like a little book club thing, but oh, it's cool. like this woman who's like ghost writing a book for a wo- for another woman, and she's like in a coma, and she might not be in a coma. It's kind of kind of weird. And then the other one is this uh, a sci-fi book called The Three Body Problem by Ooh uh, Yeah She and Lou. Yep. And. That I am currently working on. It's really good so far. So, yeah, those are mine. That is a great. That is a great yeah. one. I feel like that might have actually already come up as a recommendation oh, really? at some point. Oh. Yeah, I'll have to go back and look. Mm. It's been a while, so I'm like, I feel like that definitely came up at some oh. point. Uh, good picks. Thank you. That's awesome. What about you? You reading anything fun? Ooh, mm. I have been bouncing around. I mean, other than the, uh, the homework books that you give yourself. <laughs> I know. I mean, I call it homework with heavy quotations yeah, on sure. there. I mean, it's this is an ex- like an excellent excuse for me to just read books that I've but, never like, read before. But anything that like aren't on your list of like podcast oh. books. You know, you just been kind of sticking. As of as of late, I've definitely been going down my laundry list of like, ooh, I'm reading this because I would like to do this as an episode mm, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did read Aragorn. Um, oh, oh, Aragon! Oh no, Aragon! I don't do this every time. And Aragon. my sword. It's not. Yeah, it's wrong. Aragorn. Um, yeah, Aragon. <laughs> Thank you. I did just reread that, and man, that was a blast from the past. I have not Is read it good? that since it came out. It, it 
it definitely feels like a first time book because it is. Yeah. Um, and it was written by a nineteen. Well, I was gonna say the, the author was yeah, yeah super young when he wrote it. He was it. like nineteen yeah. when he wrote it, which to be fair, I can't write, so it's impressive nonetheless. But it definitely feels like a first book. I will say that. It's a good series. If you like a lot of fantasy, it's like very high fantasy mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you can obviously tell that he pulled a lot from like Lord, uh, of, the like Rings Lord of the Rings and, and all those yeah. kind of golden oldies. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that he definitely kind of cherry picked and created his own world, but had a lot of themes. Oh, cool. So again, feels like a first book, but uh, it kind of f- filled my little fantasy scratch yeah. that I had. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I was working on recently. So it's it was pretty great. Sounds like a good one. It was one. fun to go back and rediscover that one because it had been a hot second since I'd read it. So I heard the movie's hot garbage. Oh, you don't even know <laughs> the half of it. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, son, it is. Um, ha, do, it. Ha, I'm assuming you've you've watched the glass. You know what? And, I haven't. <gasps> I have saved myself from from ever watching that. Like it was one of those things where I kind of at the at the time I was just like I don't know about this. It's M Night Shyamalan and M Night Shyamalan. I'm already not really on board with his movies. I think I dodged a bullet there from what I hear. Is it good? Is that what you're gonna tell me that it's like one of your favorite movies? It's like okay. So when I was saying hot garbage, you're like you know the opposite of that. Is the last Airbender movie? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly where I was going with that. Um, if you want to experience heart, ha- heart, hot garbage mm. in real life form, mm. I say watch uh, Last that's Airbender. Fair. It's, uh, it's yeah, and I feel like Aragon is a very close second. Ooh, that's that's unfortunate. It's um, <laughs> unfortunate. Oh man, <laughs> I tell you, and it has like the film has like uh, really big names like John Malkovich is yeah. in it and. Um, Jeremy Irons is in it. I think oh, Ben Kingsley is oh, in boy. it. I mean, there's some big what names in that film. And I was like, oh. Where did oh, we go wrong? <laughs> God. Where did we go wrong? Woof. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, hmm? maybe it'll be an episode. Ooh, spoilers. <laughs> Get ready for some Aragon, people. Ooh, you can't see it, folks, but my eyebrows are doing like oh, the, ooh, I don't know, maybe down. bounce. They're up and down. Mm, maybe. <laughs> Uh, you never know, folks. It could happen. It could. It's out there. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, so that that's uh, that was tweet your support of that. Aaron rewatching Aragon. Hey, tweet me. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, I would love that. Just put up a do poll. You, do you want to? I know. I you know I tried doing that at one point, and then like two people oh. and a dog responded, and I was like, maybe people don't like polls. A dog know. certainly seemed so, to. Dogs seem to like polls. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, that well, we'll wait and yeah. see. Maybe there will be a poll coming down the way of like because Spencer made me. I mean, Spencer recommended. That don't put don't I... put this on me. I'm not taking the onus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, on that lovely note, we will. Uh, We're holding you we will, hostage. <laughs> I know. We will stop our ridiculous tangents once and for yeah. all. Uh, thank you again, Mr. Mm, Spencer. So lovely to have you on. It's always a pleasure. Much appreciated. Oh, I love it. Dream. I love doing these. And oh yes, come back anytime. Oh, you'll anytime. you'll. I'm sure you haven't heard the last of me. I'm sure. <laughs> yes, I'll be back. I'm ready for it. All right. And to our listeners, thank you for sticking it out one more time with us. And we will see you next time. Have a majestical day. 
have a majestical day. <laughs> <laughs>